but of course you probably already know that. I am your host, Kelly, and this is my husband slash co-host. Austin Evans, and I am a co-host, okay? Sometimes Kelly gets a little silly. She starts calling Romeo a co-host. Or you are so you know, butthurt. Here's the deal. On one episode. I'm the co-host. That's a special guest. Okay. There's a big difference. Oh my god. You keep bringing this up. You're so butthurt. You are the co-host. I've made that perfectly clear. Okay. Right on. Sometimes we have special guests. Yeah, we do. And sometimes you get your feelings hurt when I have a special guest. My feelings aren't hurt. Just know that I am the co-host. Your feelings aren't. Look hurt. at me in the eyes. I'm the co-host. All right. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about a little giveaway we are doing. It's very exciting. In an effort to expand our audience, we are doing a little raffle for $50. And to enter this raffle, all you have to do is review this podcast on Apple Podcast. Spotify does not allow reviews, so it does have to be on Apple Podcast. And this is very important. You have to actually write a review. Otherwise, it, I won't be able to see who gave the review. So. You can give it five stars, but I won't be able to see that unless you write something with it. So it can be as simple or as extensive as you'd like, but if you please just go review this podcast, you're not only helping us grow, but you're also entering in for a chance to win some cash right before the holidays. Apple Podcasts, Mama Mystery, five star it, leave the review, and don't mention Austin. Um, anyway, we will be picking the winner on December 23rd, so you have until then to enter. Hopefully, that is super clearish. You can message me with any questions. If you have questions, just honestly don't bother, because <laughs> it's pretty straightforward, and that's one of those things where people are like, hey, how do I do it? If you can't figure it out, you don't deserve the 50 bucks. Yeah, Let's keep so, going. Such a grinch. Hey, Kelly, I was just wondering, again, how I could win that 50 bucks. I didn't feel like rewinding the podcast to listen. <laughs> That's what people do. It's mind-blowing. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's We're funny. A good start. I'm in a great mood, everybody. Clearly. Um, so anyway, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today, we are talking about the disappearance of baby Lisa Irwin. So it is every parent's worst nightmare to have your child disappear. The lucky ones get their kids back, but the majority spend the rest of their lives in a perpetual nightmare, either never finding their missing child or finding them deceased. Today's story hits really close to home as it happened just a short drive from here in Kansas City, Missouri. What? Oh, great. <laughs> Lisa Renee Irwin was born in Independence, Missouri on November 11th, 2010 to her parents, Deborah Bradley and Jeremy Irwin. Deborah and Jeremy both came from previous relationships and each had a kid, um, a son actually, from those relationships. So together, there were a total of three kids, two older boys and baby Lisa. The family absolutely adored baby Lisa and her life was documented on social media through tons of pictures and videos like any proud parents. Um, and you could just tell that this baby was totally adored. October 3rd, 2011, Lisa was 10 months old. It was just like any other day in the Bradley Irwin household. Lisa's dad, Jeremy, worked as an electrician and often worked odd hours, varying from like day shifts to night shifts. But on this day, he got home around 2.30 p.m. A couple hours later, Deborah and her brother, Philip, went to the grocery store for baby food, baby wipes, and a box of wine, among other things, while Jeremy stayed at home with the kids. This was all captured on security cameras at the grocery store. 
Deborah and Philip got home, unloaded the groceries, and Philip left around 5 or 5.30. And then Jeremy had to go back to work that night to work on the electricity at a local Starbucks. At this time, money was super tight, so he was picking up as much extra work as he could. Deborah prepared dinner for herself and the kids, as well as her neighbor Samantha and her kids. And as Jeremy was getting ready to leave, Deborah told him that she was a little nervous about being home alone. And I think many girls can relate to that. I don't typically like it when you're gone and I'm staying there alone. So mm -hmm. I get that. Jeremy told Deborah that he would be home around 10 p.m., so not super late. Uh, after Jeremy left, everyone began their bedtime routines. Deborah fed baby Lisa, got her dressed in her PJs. She laid her down in her crib, told her she loved her, and left the room. Then she put on a movie for the boys, and Deborah and her neighbor Samantha hung out on Deborah's porch, drinking wine, smoking cigarettes, while the kids were inside. But Deborah said that she checked on the kids multiple times throughout the night. Another neighbor named Shane also came to hang out for a little bit. He arrived sometime between 7 and 8 p.m. and only stayed for about an hour and a half. Around 10 p.m., the boys started to get pretty tired, so Deborah decided to call it a night and put them to bed. Samantha went home. Around 10.30, Deborah said she thought she checked on Lisa one more time and went to bed. Um, went to bed herself, but Deborah drank quite a bit that night, and there are some discrepancies in her story regarding how much she actually drank. She has said that she drank between five to ten glasses of wine. Chew! So her recollection of the details that night are a little fuzzy, but uh, the neighbor, one of the neighbors, recalls seeing the lights in the home go off around 11 p.m. that night. And then Jeremy didn't end up getting home until about 4 a.m., which was way later than he had originally planned. Four is five hours later than he originally, six hours later six. than he originally planned. Yeah. Um... So when he got home, he noticed that the front door was unlocked, which was unusual. And he also noticed that a lot of the lights were on in the home, which irritated him because they were struggling financially. First, he went and checked on Deborah, found her asleep in bed with one of the boys. Apparently, one of the boys made his way to their bed in the middle of the night. Then he noticed a stray kitten laying at the foot of their bed because apparently Deborah had found this stray kitten and took it in, which also annoyed Jeremy. And that one stuck out to me because I feel like that's something you would be. If I came home and all the lights were on, I would want well, to wake everybody up and say, Hey, guys, who's in the front room? Yeah, you would do that. Yeah, nobody. Shut them off and go back to bed. And I wouldn't really do that, everybody. I'd and, be thinking it. And then if you found a cat in our room? That, I'd be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? I'd make take it outside. You would take it outside, a poor little kitten? I didn't say I'd punt it. <laughs> oh, my God. I just said I'd take it outside, you PETA freaks. Oh, my gosh. So then he checked on his other son and noticed that he was still in bed. So he made his way to Lisa's room and found her crib, but Lisa was not in it. So he runs back to his room, wakes Lisa up, frantically asking her, where is Lisa? He said, she's not in her crib. And Deborah, confused, said, what do you mean she's not in her crib? She has no idea where she is. So they get up and start searching the house, trying to find her. Their initial thought was that maybe she crawled out of her crib, so they're searching high and low, screaming her name. Deborah at some point must have mentioned that she was hanging out with Samantha earlier, so Jeremy runs over to Samantha's house, pounding on the door, thinking maybe Deborah got confused and left her, left her there somehow. I don't know. He's probably just a super desperate dad. Just at like 4 a.m.? 4 in the morning. Um, 
Nobody answered the door, so he comes back home and Deborah reassures him that she checked on Lisa around 10.30 that night before she went to bed, so she has to be there somewhere. They keep searching and notice that a screen to a window in their computer room is messed up. It appeared to be kind of pushed in, so they're thinking maybe someone broke in and took her. So earlier that day, the couple's cell phones were disconnected due to non-payment. But I think you can still call 911 even if your service has been disconnected. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not completely sure on that, but I would hope that it still allows you to at least call 911. Um, Deborah said that there were a total of three cell phones on the kitchen counter, but when Jeremy ran to get one of them to call 911, he noticed that they were missing. They were all missing. So he runs out to his truck and uses his work cell phone to call 911. Police get there and immediately start searching for her, but can't find a single trace of her. They're questioning neighbors, searching everywhere, but there's no immediate leads. And where does he work? He works as an electrician. And he had to work till 4 a.m.? He worked until 4 a.m., but, and I'll, I'll reiterate this later, but it was caught on security cameras from the Starbucks that he was there until like 3.30 or 3.45. Okay. The night Lisa was taken at 11.57, and this is really important, okay, the night Lisa was taken at 11.57 p.m., a call was attempted from one of their cell phones, but Deborah was supposed to be asleep at that time. The call was attempted to reach a woman named Megan Wright, but Deborah and Jeremy both claimed they have no idea who Megan Wright is, and then when Megan was questioned, she claimed she didn't know them either. Investigators dug through their phone records, and they went back, I think, almost a full year and couldn't find a single communication between Megan and Deborah or Jeremy. That's weird. Around 12.15 a.m., another neighbor left to go to work, and he noticed a man carrying a baby down the street. What? I got the goosebumps. He stopped. Does anybody else get the goosebumps during these? You get the goosebumps all the I time. I do. You know what we should do? We should have a sound we that we drop. We should make a t-shirt that says, I've got the goosebumps. No, that's not stupid. We that should make so a sound that we drop in the middle of the podcast when people get the goosebumps. That sounds stupid. Yeah, right on. Go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds stupid. My name's Kelly and I'm cute. Don't be rude on my podcast. I just said my name's Kelly and I'm cute. Yeah, but after you called me stupid. Listen, they're not here for this, okay? We're here to tell a story. We're going to get back to the story right now. So this neighbor... Ow! She Austin. smacked me. <laughs> Guys, she just smacked me. Oh, please continue. I'm glad we have this on film. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this. So this neighbor saw a man walking down the street around 12.15 a.m. carrying a baby. He stopped and watched him for a little bit because it was odd to see a man carrying a baby so late at night. His wife noticed him watching the man, so she peered out the window and also noticed the guy walking with the baby. She said, quote, he was wearing dark colored pants and what she believed to be a white t-shirt. He had the baby in his arms and could see the baby's arm and leg hanging out. It appeared that he was trying to protect the baby from the cold. I would be calling the police. Thank you. But, and I'll get to that in just a second because this is so frustrating. She also noted that he appeared to be bald because both her and her husband confirmed that his head was shiny. Like, I guess under the street lights, it was kind of shiny. She claimed that her and her husband also felt that it was pretty odd, but that he wasn't acting suspicious. Guys, if there's a Are you person walking with a baby, I don't care, male, female, blue, white, black, green, old, young. If there's a person walking with a baby in the middle of, in the, the, middle night, of the night, you fucking call the cops. Yeah, you That's call, weird. You call the police. Yes. 
A man is walking on the street in the middle of the night with a baby in his arms, and that's not suspicious? Strange. Like, what else could he have done that would have made it suspicious, you dumb idiot? You d- yeah. You yeah, hometown. Idiot. Hometown. Stupid idiot. If I look outside and I see a man walking in the neighborhood, I don't care where you are, who you are, it's weird. It's just weird. You freaking call the cops. You can say that again. She said that they kept watching him walk, and he eventually turned into the grass of someone's yard. Like, maybe he was going into that house. I guess they couldn't quite see, because it was kind of around the corner. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that's why she didn't think anything of it, because he apparently was going into this home. So, maybe she assumed that he lived there. I don't freaking know. It's midnight with a baby. Like, come on. Weird. Pull your head out of your ass. Get your head out of it. So, later her husband called to make sure that that guy and the baby weren't still outside. She looked outside and didn't see him, and that was that. So, at 2.15 a.m., a surveillance video at a nearby gas station caught a man wearing a white t-shirt coming out of a nearby wooded area. At about 2.30 a.m., okay, 15 minutes later, a dumpster fire was reported near the Irwin house about a three-minute walk away. A dumpster fire? It was a dumpster fire, and it was at a uh, nearby, like, apartment complex. I think they're called, like, the Brighton Apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it was reported there. So this is about a three-minute walk away from the Irwin house and about a 15-minute walk away from the gas station. So investigators have reason to believe that the man in the white shirt probably started the dumpster fire because the times all line up, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At 3.17, someone tried to check the voicemail and access the internet on one of the cell phones belonging to Deborah and Jeremy. Mind you, Jeremy did not get home, though, until around 4 a.m., and he's seen on surveillance video at the Starbucks working until about 3.30, so... Okay. Five minutes later, at 3.22 a.m., someone tried to check the voicemail and get on the internet from one of those phones again, and then there were three more attempts after that. Police state that the phones never got more than a third of a mile away from the home the night that Lisa disappeared, but whether those phones were actually found, I'm not sure. I couldn't find that information, but, um, you know, if, if whoever had the phones just turned them off, then they would stop pinging, um, and that's how they trace where the phones get to, you know? So maybe whoever took the phones only got about a third of a mile away and either tossed them or just turned them off and later chucked them. I don't know. That's so weird. But they still don't know who took the phones. So at 4.10 a.m., a man on a motorcycle spotted a man carrying a baby on the side of the road. He remembered thinking it was super odd, and then when he heard about Lisa through the media, he became convinced that that had to be her. Where the man and the baby were seen was about an hour-long walk from the Irwin home. And this would have been about four hours since the initial spotting of a man carrying a baby. Like, how coincidental is it that this man is seen, or a man, is seen carrying a baby at odd hours of the night? Like, who carries babies outside anymore just in the middle of the night? (laughs) Like, nobody. I mean, it's bizarre. Nobody's ever done that. No, it's just weird. Like, it's one thing to take your baby on a walk, like in a stroller, but like you're just carrying... I don't know. It's just all very fishy to me. Strange. Super strange. It's mysterious. Yeah. So, an Amber Alert was immediately issued for baby Lisa. Local news stations began covering the case, and the coverage quickly expanded nationally. The parents began doing press conferences, sobbing, begging whoever took Lisa to please bring her back. The National Guard got involved in the search for baby Lisa. Thousands of people showed up to try and find this baby. 
within within the first 24 hours, Lisa was still not found, which was a huge upset because a lot of times in crimes or kidnappings like this, time is of the absolute essence. I read a statistic that you know kids who are abducted, um, the ones who end up being killed are usually killed within the first three hours. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, so after 24 hours of her not being back, it's very upsetting. First three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are sick. So the following day, police is issued a statement updating media on the case. They said they'd exhausted everything at the original scene and had expanded the crime scene to include a more broad area. The police garnered help from the FBI, ATF, ICE, the Marshal's Office, and Clay County. The Narcotics and Vice Division was involved, among other specialized divisions. They were pulling out all the stops, doing absolutely everything within their power to find Lisa as soon as possible, but admitted that they didn't have any hard leads. He also reassured the media that the parents were being cooperative and that there did not appear to be any holes in their stories. So back to the witnesses who claimed to have seen Lisa the night or that night being carried by, carried by a man. Police interviewed these witnesses multiple times. They showed the man on the motorcycle pictures of six different men, and he picked one of the men. Um, and according to ABC News, that man has been questioned multiple times, but I don't know who, it didn't say who that man was. Um, I have an inkling, and we'll get to that later. But when they questioned the neighbor who claimed to see a man walking with a baby near the Irwin home around midnight, she didn't claim to recognize the man that was in the same picture. So there's discrepancies between the two witnesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always think having an eyewitness is like a really great chunk of evidence or is like a great tool, but more often than not, sometimes recollections can be a little bit skewed. So they're not always 100% accurate. Well, and if you didn't call the police or anything, you just saw them walking in the middle of the night. It's really nothing more than just a quick, yeah, I saw them. Yeah. I mean, obviously you didn't care too much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's not like you were really trying to gather any identifying details. Mm -hmm. You know, it's weird. If I ever assume that something fishy is going on, I really do try to make note of like a license plate or some sort of identifying detail. I think and you're kind of hyper aware of it though because I of am. this. Totally. Mm -hmm. But just me saying that, I wish more people were like that because you just never know. And I'm not saying it to be paranoid. I'm not saying it to be like, oh, you should always be walking in fear or on edge. But if something seems out of the ordinary, just... Try to make a mental note. Like, you know, whenever we had, um, like, a suspicious car in the neighborhood. I was just going to say, I, there was one time we had a red uh, red vehicle that was sitting in our cul-de-sac around 10 o'clock at night with its lights off, but the car still running. Mm -hmm. And when I walked outside, they sped off. And mm -hmm. I called a friend who was a police officer and ended up, it was a pretty crazy story, but mm -hmm. uh, who that person was. Well, and I remember it was the, the cam or the car was caught on a ring camera, mm -hmm. but often with those ring cameras, you can't really make out the license plate. Mm -hmm. And so, um, luckily someone in a neighborhood near us happened to be leaving early for work that morning. And she noticed that the car was just sitting there running idle and took down the license plate yeah. and that's how we ended up figuring out that it was actually a stolen car and those people in the car were probably up to no good so yeah um it was weird yeah super weird but i mean it's because of like vigilante type of people who you know make notes if things seem weird mm -hmm. so you know just keep your eye out anyway sorry we kind of went off on a little tangent there but um so on october 7th the police brought deborah in for a polygraph test and they told her that she failed the test. 
Police began accusing Deborah of having something to do with Lisa's disappearance, but she remained steadfast and said she had absolutely nothing to do with it. And they didn't have any physical evidence on Deborah, so they let her go. Was, have you listened to interviews and stuff? I have. Was she like heartbroken or was heartbroken. she... Heartbroken. It was legit? She seemed legitimately upset. She had to... The only thing I think she'd feel guilty about is getting wasted. Uh, yeah. But I mean, and you know, she's been kind of um, like trashed through the media because of her the reports of her drinking that night. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't recall how much she drank. And you know... I just feel so bad for her because she was at home. It's not like she was driving around with her kids. Like, who would have thought this would ever have happened? Mm-hmm. Um, Irresponsible, but... Yeah, I mean. maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm I trying not to judge because I know lots of people, like, even friends of mine who will drink a little bit and, you know, go to bed not thinking their kids are going to get taken in the middle of the night. Right. No, I get that. Yeah. So anyway, they didn't have any physical evidence on Deborah, so they let her go. Police also said that the parents had stopped cooperating within days of Lisa's disappearance, but Deborah and Jeremy were quick to refute that statement, going on the Today Show and um, just saying that they just needed a break from the incessant questioning and that they desperately wanted Lisa home. On October 19, 2011, a search was performed in the Irwin home. Cadaver dogs were brought to the residence, and one of those dogs hit on a spot near Deborah's bed. However, cadaver dogs don't present an exact science, so physical evidence was still lacking. In May of 2012, Deborah and Jeremy reported that their debit card had been hacked and used on a website that provides false birth certificates. The Today Show and America Live both confirmed that the website existed, and the family's lawyer was able to get a screenshot of the website before it was taken down. That's weird. This information was given to authorities, but Deborah and Jeremy felt like they weren't taking that information very seriously. However, it did give them hope that baby Lisa was still alive. Okay, so there is one man that many people believe is linked to the disappearance of baby Lisa, and his name is John Tanko, otherwise known as Jersey. Police say that they have questioned him, but don't consider him a suspect. But here is the reason people, including me, are suspicious of him. Jersey was a handyman who neighbors were somewhat acquainted with. One of the neighbors described him as a shady um, kind of drifter. They never knew where he was, like where he was from and where he was going. And apparently um, had, he had let one of the neighbors know that he was actually wanted for an outstanding warrant. Ooh. And he also had a history of breaking into and robbing homes in the Kansas City area. Jersey had been staying at a nearby home the night Lisa went missing. He was staying there to take care of the yard while the owners were away. A nearby neighbor remembered seeing him in the yard around 1 p.m. on the day that Lisa went missing. This same neighbor then left, and while she was gone, another neighbor witnessed him walk off with her dog. The dog was eventually found a few days later, several miles away. But around 9 p.m. that same night, the same woman who saw him at 1 p.m., noticed that the sprinklers were on in that yard and figured he must have turned them on since he was working in the yard earlier that day. By 11 p.m., she said the sprinklers were off. So the couple who said that they saw a man walking with a baby around midnight that night claimed that they saw this man walk through a yard, remember? Mm -hmm. It was the same yard of the house that he was staying in. He was taking care of that yard. And apparently, if you walk through this yard, it leads to an apartment complex. 
and that apartment complex is where the dumpster fire was reported. And that road from the apartment complex leads to the gas station, where the man in the white t-shirt was picked up by security cameras. Hmm. So now, remember the phone calls made that night to a woman named Megan Wright from Mm -hmm. one of the couple's cell phones, or attempted, I guess. Megan Wright is Jersey's ex-girlfriend. What? So they had broken up just 10 days prior to Lisa's disappearance. Megan has done numerous interviews, both publicly through the media and privately with police. She also apparently has a Facebook page dedicated to this whole event where she'll like answer questions for people. She states that on the night Lisa went missing, she had like seven people at her apartment and her apartment just happened to be in the same complex as the dumpster fire. So, so let me get this straight. Their phones are gone. Yes. And one of the phones were, one of those phones that were taken, mm-hmm. that were taken from their counter. Yes. Called his ex-girlfriend. Yes. How is that not enough to link it right there? I know. That's, I, I, that's what pisses me off about this crime stuff is we've listened to stories where there's not enough going on, but they call them. Mm-hmm. We've listened to ones where there's a ton going on like this and they don't, they don't make anybody guilty. Yeah. So that night, she claims that she let numerous people use her phone and that maybe the phone calls to her phone were actually from someone trying to get a hold of someone who had been borrowing it. But that to me is bullshit because... Yeah, oh, is there borrowing my phone? Are you kidding me? And then whoever happened to take the phone from the Irwin house From the the house where the baby was stolen? No. What a joke. It doesn't make sense. It does not add So why, how can they not pin him with that? I don't know. I don't know. So I don't this dude's out running around? Yes. He has not been charged with anything. And he's and he's got a history of breaking into play. History of breaking in. He's got a criminal record. And he was what? in the neighborhood. And people claim that they saw a man walking into the yard of the house that he was staying in and the yard that he was working on. And his ex-girlfriend lives in the apartment complex right behind them where the dumpster fire allegedly happened. Or did happen. Didn't allegedly happen. It happened. So but the baby's like, never been found? Baby Lisa has never been found, and I still have more to go, so we'll, we'll like, recap. Um, but there has been a lot of rumors or speculation that the parents haven't been cooperative. And I'll be honest, before I started doing research on this case, that's all I really knew about, like, when it, when it came to this case. All I knew was that Baby Lisa was missing, but that the parents were suspects or suspicious or people of interest, whatever. And it wasn't until I kind of dove a little deeper that I realized, holy cow, like, the parents genuinely don't have anything to do with it. And yes, there's discrepancies on how much she drank that night. But from what I understand, she initially said she drank less because she didn't want the focus to be on her. She really wanted the focus to be on, like, where's baby Lisa? And granted, it kind of damaged her credibility a little bit when she came out and said, I don't know, maybe it was more like 10 glasses. Regardless, she was drunk. Parents drink. It's not that unusual. Parents drink. But the fact that, like, that kind of gave them tunnel vision really took away from them possibly finding her sooner. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But I, I just, I empathize with her because I don't believe she had anything to do with it. And her daughter is still missing, and that's super sad. But um, it eventually came out that Deborah actually did pass that polygraph on October 7th. And that the police were just telling her she didn't as a tactic Um, to get her to, like, it was a tactic to force a confession in an effort to get her to break if she really had something to do with it. So Deborah has said in interviews that she understands and respects why they did that. 
She said, quote, some of the stuff you see on the news with parents and their children, it's just horrid things. I can completely understand. It's just after some point in time, you've got to look elsewhere. So I can understand her frustration there. To this day, Lisa is still missing. Nobody in this case, um, nobody has been charged in this case. And I have some statistics for you. So stranger abductions are actually kind of rare. If you'll notice many times when you get an Amber Alert on your phone, it's typically stemming from like a domestic dispute and usually it's like an ex that has something to do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Nearly half of all abductions are from within the family. About 27% of kidnappings are from an acquaintance of the family, leaving only about 24% of kidnappings to be done by a complete stranger. These stranger ki kidnappings typically occur outside, so kids being taken from a park or a sidewalk. Only about one out of 10,000 missing kids are found not alive, okay? However, about 20% of stranger abductions are found not alive. So obviously, the risk skyrockets when the abductor is not related or acquainted to the family in any way. And this John Tanko isn't related to the family in any way? Correct. He's just someone who... Never worked at the him. house, never anything. Mm-mm. And he's still running around. He could be listening to this podcast right now. He, I mean, he could be. I mean, he might be in jail for something else. I don't know where he's at right now. But I did see tons of mugshots. I included a picture of his mugshot on my Instagram account. I'm also putting it on our, our Facebook page. Um, our Instagram account is at mama.mystery, M-A-M-A dot mystery. And then the Facebook page is um, the same. So you can see pictures of baby Lisa, Deborah and Jeremy, and also John Tanko. Um, on the website. So um, I've also seen reports where uh, baby Lisa was thought to be seen like across the, uh, across the pond, like in another country. I think it was like Greece or something. Really? Um, because there was like this white blonde girl with these two dark, complected, dark haired parents. And so it just was like very odd. And how old was Lisa? Um, at the time that this happened, the girl that was found, I mean, would have, it would have added up. Like, so a lot of people thought it was her, but they looked into it and it's not her. Um, Lisa has still not been found. So and how old would she be today? She would be 10. Weird. Yeah. So. Super sad. Super sad. But, um, you know, I guess the takeaway from this is to just be vigilant about what's going on around you. Um, when you're out with your kids, especially outside, of course, always be vigilant. I mean, you should know that as a parent. I shouldn't really have to say that, but sometimes things happen and it's devastating. Mm -hmm. So, um, also if you are, you know, in a neighborhood and you do see something weird going on, don't be afraid to like make notes in your phone or take a picture because you never know when that could come in handy later. If something really does go down, no one has to know that you're doing it. If you're worried about how that might make you look, if, you, if it may make you seem judgmental or whatever. Like a worry wart. Yeah, then it doesn't matter. You can just delete it if it never amounts to anything. But you could be a hero if it does. So stay vigilant. That is the story on Baby Lisa. HLN is premiering a documentary on this case um, Sunday. So that would be yesterday since this goes up Monday. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So we'll see if there's any new information with that. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget about our giveaway. Go review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. Mama, Mr.